Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Happy Monday, everyone. I'm Kevin Zimmerman, joined by Kellen Olson. This is an emergency Empire of the Suns podcast. We're not here to talk about another preseason game. We're here because the Suns fired their general manager, Ryan McDonough, during the preseason. Initial thoughts, Kellen? I wasn't 100% surprised, which should tell you the state of the Suns as a franchise in the past four to five years. I don't understand what this is minus a reaction to with the obvious detail here nine days before the season and they fired their GM um, this is somewhat of a reaction to preseason play perhaps this is somewhat of a reaction to trade talks for a point guard not getting done I don't understand how you can stare at this offseason and say with rash like being rational and saying they had a bad offseason they, they got DeAndre Ayton. They got Mikhail Bridges. Their draft night was an A-plus. They got Elliot Kobo. Um, and then you look at uh, spending nearly all their money on Trevor Reza. I, I guess that's not great when you needed a point guard. But as far as their offseason before the whole point guard thing went down, I think it was like an A or an A-plus offseason. And now having the point guard is unacceptable and is something that we talked about on the past couple of episodes and I said is just wrong. Um, I'll, I'll get into We'll get into it, obviously, but that that was my initial reaction is that I wasn't 100% surprised, but this seems like a gut reaction and seems like Robert Sarver is going to go get himself a point guard because his GM did not. You wrote it in your column that a year ago, a little more than a year ago, Robert Sarver went up into the podium at Ryan McDonough's extension press conference which was also the hiring of James Jones. And you were, you wrote about this today where it's Robert Sarver said, I know I'm not patient. I'm paraphrasing, but I know I'm not patient. I got to be patient now. And that was, they're putting faith in Ryan McDonough by extending him. See this through. Like we know it's been forever. He's been here since 2013, five years. They've gotten pretty much worse every year. And at some point, okay, Lay all your cards out, see what comes of it. And this was that season, it seemed like. And it was also, two years ago was the timeline. That's what we're going to do. This past season, after Devin Booker showed he's really good, it was, okay, let's try to win now. It's like they change their mind every year about what to do when I get down to it. And that's direction of franchise, that's leadership, you go from Earl Watts, Jeff Hornacek to Earl Watson with a peculiar, peculiar firing of Jeff Hornacek's top assistants beforehand so you could get Earl Watson in that interim seat so you could hire him as the head coach. Same things happen, it seems like, with James Jones getting that VP of basketball ops under McDonough. After McDonough took over for Lance Blanks, who 
had a holdover who was Lon Babby. So to me, the biggest thing is they always have holdovers and it's always like you're just scuffling and trying to get better. Even going down to just basic trade assets in McDonough's tenure, you're just rolling stuff over and hoping it gets better instead of changing how you attack things. It's, it's continual movement that gets you nowhere. And at some point it's like this organization has to figure out how do you change your culture and show commitment to it. And that is like a super general gut reaction to this that I wanted to say going into this year, we could just talk about basketball and not have those feelings. But now I'm back to where we were last year and the year before that and the year before that. And and now you're just thinking about the reaction and how the Suns come off as severely incompetent when they do this in a period in the next two to three years if all goes according to plan with whatever young core is left we'll get to that later even if they they're they're certainly going to hold on to to Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton and as a one-two punch if Ayton is what he is supposed to be that's enough to become a playoff team eventually and be aggressive in free agency how are free agents agents how are they going to portray portray the Suns now? It's got to be even worse than it was, and it was probably pretty bad already in terms of their reputation around the league. It's gotten even worse now with doing this. We haven't even said it yet. Like Ryan McDonough deserved to be fired in several different ways. His draft record wasn't that good. His trade record wasn't that good. He kept waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Nothing and waiting and waiting and waiting and never got a big quality name here. The biggest name he got here was Brandon Knight, a guy who had a really good 18 months for the Bucks. And I certainly believed in that deal when it happened. I believed that Brandon Knight could become an all-star point guard. Thought he had the potential to be. But that was his gamble. He missed pretty badly. All of his gambles really have not worked out. Trading up for Marquise Chris, signing Tyson Chandler in part to try and get LaMarcus Aldridge. It, Essentially choosing Bledsoe over IT and Drogic. List goes on. He deserved to get fired. It's not a surprise to see him fired. But with that said, fire him halfway through the season. Fire him at the end of this season. There are times to do this. And this was not the time to do it. Can I complain about something else while we're here? Yeah. Didn't Robert Sarver's uh, press release, which escaped any reporters, national or local, that's how surprising it was, which actually McDonough got fired yesterday, so he apparently didn't go to the press, which is admirable, I guess. Um, To my point, though, the press release reads like they're going to spend this entire season looking for a replacement while James Jones and Trevor Buckstein run the ship. And Robert, by the way, Robert, Robert Sarver runs the ship, yeah, not okay. those guys. That's... But they're going to be doing the little stuff, day-to-day stuff, like they don't have a like replacements right now, so we don't know, but what position are they going to be in? Like... If you're just going to hire James Jones, just hire him then. Like, I know that's against what everything we've said, but if you're operating under Fire McDonough rashly right now, rashly name a replacement, but you're going to waste this whole year, like, what? Doing what? 
looking for someone. And does a good replacement even want to come here? Does David Griffin even want to come here? Like, why would you want to? I, I mean, you see the young Corrin stuff, but just seeing how he just acted, just with extreme irrational behavior to fire someone nine days before the season starts. I, I don't think, again, it's the same thing with Earl Watson getting fired three games into the season. Made sense. It, it wasn't wasn't something where we were like, oh man, that Earl Watson was a great head coach. What are they doing? But this is not, and, and that was just a, another thing. Uh, it does say, over the course of the season, we will explore both internal and external options as we look to restructure our basketball front office leadership. Our focus in the short term is to prepare for the upcoming NBA season and to continue pursuing opportunities to strengthen our roster. Uh, is there anything else you kind of, where do you want to go now? Like McDonough looking back, looking forward? Let's look back first. Okay. Um, I always thought that McDonough was a fine general manager. I think he just got unlucky in a couple of different situations that made him look pretty bad. Alex Len was not a big-time gamble of a pick. He was a guy rated around there. Dragon Bender, same thing. He was a guy that was even rated higher, higher for over Jalen Brown by a lot of people. Jalen Brown was a relatively, in the moment, he was a surprising pick at number three. Yeah, People are going to forget that because Jalen Brown is very good now. But he was the guy that was like, whoa, Jalen Brown at three. That whole draft, the story was who is what are teams going to do when Ben Simmons and Brandon Ingram are off the board and the Celtics chose Jalen Brown. Everyone was surprised, including guys like Bill Simmons, who's very connected to what the Celtics do and his thought process. I remember him at the time being very surprised by that. So then they get Dragon Bender at four. Then they get Marquise Chris at eight. I think Chris at eight, nine, ten was the type of guy that there was a big time cutoff in that draft once he got to that point. So the Suns, instead of sitting at 13 and getting Scal or getting whoever, said we're going to go up and get that talent. Both those guys didn't work out. There was not a good infrastructure here for them to work out. If Alex Len is good in Atlanta, if Marquise Chris is good in Houston, there is going to be zero surprise at all because they are still young and they still have talent. But with that being said, it happened on McDonough's watch. And just I I thought he did a lot of good things. He drafted... Devin Booker, obviously. So I think the draft record as a whole is a scratch. Yeah, because I'll is draft for lots of good I'll draft, GMs. I'll draft five Alex Lens to get one Devin Booker. Like that's yeah. that's no problem with me. And when the time was there to be aggressive, he he did it for the most part. Trading up to get Mikael Bridges, trading up to get Marquise Chris. Uh, he always made moves when even even when the Suns were trying to make a playoff chase, like getting names like Brandon Wright. There, he always I like GMs who are active and do stuff and a lot of GMs just sit there he did stuff and the trouble was he didn't do enough and he didn't do enough that was impactful is probably the biggest thing to me I would say he did too much in a different light because he put himself in position and this is I think that Earl Watson might be number one A or B actually it's probably going to be B that hire was bad. Number 1A for me was just there is too much of a track record of him not understanding how humans work. And I know it's a business. It's a good point, yeah. But when you talk about the moves that he made, and like I just complained about turnover from all standpoints on this team and this franchise, but if you look at just players alone, I don't know off the top of my head, a lot of them had to do with him making players mad 
and that was even if you go Isaiah Thomas edition which came with signing Eric Bledsoe long term that put Goran Dragic in this weird gray area where it's like you guys don't want me and it was clear literally when you watch them on the court the year before Dragic was the main primary point guard and then suddenly Bledsoe was running it and it wasn't as good and Dragic was sitting in the corner which he didn't handle well I don't think he would say he wouldn't disagree with that but he put he put them in a weird position. All three of those point guards. Um, they played go, really well in that January too. That's the thing. Yeah, a lot of they were fine. Looking back, like they that was the year after um, they nearly made the playoffs and they got off to kind of a rough start. But then in January and early February, they were actually a pretty good team and they seemed to be really figuring it out. But then Dragic demanded the trade and that just changed everything. Then you go on Marquise, not Marquise, Markeith Morris. They tried to go after LaMarcus Aldridge. They had to dump salaries. Marcus Morris is part of that. They put themselves in that position with that weird contract with the two twins. And then Markeith's mad, and that lingered for forever. And apparently he was, from the reporting at the time, he was not told ahead of time. Right. That It's just call him, say, I know this is the way we work. Like, just those types of conversations never happen, and then... Uh, I'm sure you'll get to him coming on radio radio stations like ours, primarily ours, 98.7 FM, and not trashing players specifically, but being very outspoken once people have moved on. I think he, even during the press conference for Brandon Knight, uh, he he said something to the effect of, like, I'm I'm completely fine with... um, having these guys over over those guys or it was pretty much a whole thing that encapsulated like i don't care i think brandon knight's better than goran Dragic or it was something yeah. like that right like the yeah when Dragic was gone he said we have the best players still on our team and that's bledsoe keith and i think he included brandon knight but you go on to morris and then even just this summer when you have him waving Tyler Eulis, who you know they drafted him in large part due because he was good friends with Devin Booker and they wanted to create a culture with them, and that's fine when this, with a second-round pick. But when you do that and then you want to wave someone who's the best friend with your star player who you're just about to pay and you still haven't figured out maybe phone the <laughs> maybe phone Devin Booker like, you didn't learn this from the Morris situation. You didn't learn it from benching Eric Bledsoe suddenly in the middle of a season and him being mad about it. Like, at some point, it's like you have to show that you're learning that these are people and you at least have to have goodwill toward them and show them that you care some degree that you're going to help them out, even though they're in a position that's not great. And that led to so many of these big trades that he was forced to make. He forced himself in to make at least three trades, if not four. I don't know about IT, but it was probably that too. So that's that's the biggest problem is you're spinning your wheels and wasting all your time dealing these players who, if you had managed it better, maybe would just be fine being in Phoenix. Closing thoughts on McDonough? Uh, I saw something that said he had a worse record than Lance Blanks at the end of the day. So there's that. 
Um, yeah, I, I think there's a chance to find a better GM, but the closing thoughts I have is that he did not get the job done, but the job title description and what he was supposed to do seems like it was constantly changing year by year, like you said. And we also don't know any of those decisions, which ones were his, which ones were not his, if you know what I mean. And who who is the person on planet Earth who can speak the most about front offices and everything on the record and report stuff? It's Adrian Wojnarowski, and his tweet was extremely telling about the Sarver situation as a whole and just the vibes around the league in terms of this um, situation. Um, He said, The challenge for the Suns remains unchanged. Robert Sarver is perhaps the NBA's most involved owner in basketball decision-making, and the plan can change day-to-day, not even year-to-year like we just said. Week-to-week, not even... McDonough survived, survived, survived five years with him. Recruiting a new GM is never an easy sell there. So, it, if anything, we might be underreacting to the um, feel around the league for the Suns in that job. But I will say now to like transition out of McDonough and moving forward, they have a very attractive young core. And if there was ever a situation where you're like, oh, I guess I can work for Robert Sarver, it would be the situation where you have DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker going forward, and you have, I don't even think it's like, oh, I like Mikael Bridges. It's like, oh, I can get a lot for Mikael Bridges. Oh, I can get a lot for Josh Jackson. Is looking at this and saying, yeah, I can turn this into a 43-win team easily. And then going forward into free agency, I can stretch Ryan Anderson. Maybe I deal TJ Warren somewhere in there. Now I have all this cap space, two young stars, and all of that stuff that is very enticing for a general manager but with that being said it's easy for me to say that and i'm sure a gm like even someone like david griffin who's had experience dealing with him um everyone around the league and everyone up for that job is going to know that and that is the worst part about this you can't win this like moving forward they're not going to win the press conference in the gm hire next up i don't think unless you hire david griffin because if you hire David Griffin, who doesn't have a job, he knows what to expect. He worked under Steve Kerr, and what, would that be like five, six years under Sarva's ownership? So if you got him on board and he said, yes, I can make this work, then also he worked under Dan Gilbert, so I don't know if he's he could be like, oh, yeah. And that's even if he wants the job, but... Otherwise, I can't think of GM names that would have me confident about this team. Like, because you need, they need just for appearance sake to hire someone who's well known, who is going to ask for power, because otherwise, we're not going to believe that they have power. And other than Griffin, I don't know who that is. And Kevin o- Yeah. Gosh. Gosh darn it. I worry enormously about the stability of the rebuild going forward. Yeah. With this, that is my number one concern now. I'm not even close to thinking about, oh no, point guard at the start of the season. That seems like such a small concern right now. It's it's the fact that... (laughs) 
They're going to answer that question by doing something drastic. It's the fact that there is a extremely high chance that Robert Sarver has already talked to Taylor from Minnesota, the owner of the Timberwolves, about Jimmy Butler. It's the fact that he is probably having every conversation that McDonough has already had about certain point guards. And uh, look, there is, we have talked about over the course of the offseason, there are logical reasons to where the Suns should get it. Like, if you trade your first round pick unprotected this year and it's at 12 or 13, looking at this roster, you say, well, it, it doesn't really matter too much because of how much young talent they have. They have four wings. What's trading Josh Jackson matter? You know, there are certain logical I should say semi-logical reasons to do that kind of stuff and that's where I get scared because if you trade two unprotected first round picks and Josh Jackson or someone like that now you're leaving yourself a lot of room for error for the future and it's a situation where you don't really need to put that much around Aiden Booker for this to work out not not a lot it I don't want to say it's foolproof because that seems way too cocky to say given <laughs> given the Suns infrastructure the past couple of years. But the worry now is not even a Josh Jackson for Terry Rozier swap, which is something we've talked about, but Josh Jackson for Kemba Walker, Josh Jackson for not Patrick Beverly, but something to that extent where you're giving up a legitimate piece for an expiring contract who could very well leave and because there are patterns of irrational behavior, you can't assume. When Brandon and I got traded here, I was people were like, "Oh no, he's a, like a free agent upcoming." It's like McDonough would have never made the deal unless he knew he was resigning. It's fine. Yeah, cannot say that about any steals at all. You cannot say it. And now the scary thing is that would be the the assumed pattern of what they are going to be doing in the next couple of days. There's also the report from Woj that came out that teams have been basically looking at the Suns saying, you want a point guard? Give us an unprotected first-round pick. Otherwise, go away. So now there is an elevated price already to the guys they are willing to drastically overpay anyway. And you know who knows all of this? Every other team in the league. Every other team in the league knows by firing Ryan McDonough, it's somewhat of a sign that Robert Sarver wants to get this thing going. And he's acting. he could act with some desperation. Do you see any possible way the Suns have Shaquille Harrison or Isaiah? Uh, how how do we pronounce it now? I'm sorry, Kanan. Is it Kanan? Kanan. Did you hear about this? No. Vince uh, oh, on no. Bickley and Murata had a Suns person come up to him and say, "Oh, this is a Tyrod Taylor thing, by the way. Actually, it's Kanan. I believe it's Kanan. Oh no. It, it is not. It is not Isaiah." Uh, this is the like Kanan, third K- most Kanan important thing that I've learned today. Exactly, but. <laughs> What do you? There's no chance that one of those guys is starting opening night now, right? I mean, I thought there was a slim chance already, but now the fact that this uh, has happened, I just okay. Even if it's even if it's like the the Milwaukee pick, they weren't willing to give up for Beverly, one of those expiring guys, or just an unprotected first round pick from one of those guys. I'm not ruling out that or Josh Jackson for a, a good guy who's on expiring. I there's don't. A lot. I don't even know what to expect right now because I just. This is like when LeBron was in free agency, although it was brief, and the Cavs didn't have Colby. What was happening? It was like they still hadn't locked down Colby Altman to be their GM, I think. And it's just like, I I don't know what to expect is what I, I'm getting at. It's 
can James Jones and Buckstein actually function as a group right now to get stuff done with Robert Sarver if Robert Sarver is helping out? Like, do teams actually even want to deal with it if they don't have their stuff together? And I'm sure, like, I think James Jones is a smart guy. I think they will actually have, like, they have enough knowledge to function. But it's just like when you don't have leaders who are even locked in themselves how do they function? Do they act like I only have a year to do this? I'm just going to go for it and see what happens. Or do you, do you really think that they're going to be like, I have to do the long-term smart thing. And that's what's scary about this. And to answer your question in a really terrible roundabout way, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they didn't get a point guard deal done just because like, what are they going to do, man? Who's going to trade even like a Kemba Walker? Like they would have to be thinking drastic changes right before the season. I just don't see what can happen right now to change anything, which is why this really didn't make sense from the first place. Cause we know we talked about it. Like the last four podcasts, Ryan McDonough put himself in a hole. He dug himself this hole where once you traded Brandon Knight, and even before that, you didn't have a starting point guard. So we knew he was there. Why didn't they do this a while ago then? Like, something had to have happened, but I legitimately don't think NBA trades happen at this time of the year because it other teams also don't want to make changes, like huge changes, unless they have a really good reason. Mike James was tweeted. Uh, of course, we, oh no, we we talked about that. No, it's just like funny. Okay. He, he's he's actually a really funny dude on Twitter. Um, of course, Markeith Morris and Mike James were a couple of the players who said they weren't like weren't surprised by this and seemed rather okay with letting their opinions be known that the GM was fired. Someone tweeted him, "What do you think of Sarver?" And Mike James said, "His house crazy." <laughs> His house is nuts, man. You can't, you can't believe what's going on around here. Um, I agree with you. It's it seems it seems so much more likely to me that they're going to overpay because of that. Yeah, where it's like, yeah, you guys, your point guard rotation is going to be screwed. But here's three first round picks and whatever else. Um, I'm very very glad the Suns got a top three or four pick last year, or else I would be. I would be a wreck right now because the security blanket of Aiden and Booker is so that's true, terrific and outstanding. Encore product like now this. Now, this sh- now well, well now this becomes a thing where if Aiden isn't isn't a isn't a star, now you've really got problems because what happened to the roster? I, I tweeted this. What does this look like a year from now? I have no idea. If you had to give me like how many of these seven guys. And naming off those seven core young guys, how many of them are going to be left on the roster? I would guess like under five. I would guess like th- three or four. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of moves going on, but it it shouldn't be... It, this might sound too optimistic, and me being optimistic, who knew? I don't think it's really... It's hard to really, really screw this up. You would have to do something like Josh Jackson for Patrick Beverly or like two picks 
for Patrick Beverly or I, I mean even if they give up two picks for Patrick Beverly a rental it they still have enough to offset that in some ways but all it takes is two of those moves then you're then you're done for yeah oh yeah I came in today thinking I was going to be focused on Josh Rosen and stuff and then you know surprise i didn't even get that far i woke up at like nine <laughs> i woke up at nine and then by nine no five i see that on my i'm scrolling through my notifications on my phone catching up and then that came on multiple people in our office were told of this including me because i went and grabbed like a water or something and i was told by matt layman our other writer and editor and he's like has wide eyes he's like ryan mcdonough got fired and i was like Wait, what? Like, I don't know. My head is still full of, like, opinions, I guess, or thoughts that aren't really making sense. There has to be some reason. Like, relationships are everything, which is what ultimately bit the dude. Thoughts? (laughs) I don't know how this changes, uh, like, us watching the game tonight. It we can't doesn't. we can't have nice things. Just can't. We have interesting things. We had a we had a really good off season and then Booker tears a ligament in his hand and then this comes. It's 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 gonna be interesting. We'll we'll talk again on preseason wrap up and season expectations coming up soon. Robert Sarver is gonna be on our air in ten minutes. Uh so if you are listening to this you probably can't listen to it live by now unless you're really, really fast uh, at getting to the end and you're coming to the end of the podcast for some reason. Imagine that person. They're like, oh my God, how does he know? <laughs> uh, but Robert Sarver will be on our air and we'll hopefully give some answers on the timing of this and everything. We will have stories up on ArizonaSports.com about it and just a bunch of content in general. You wrote a piece looking at potential candidates. You're also going to have a piece looking back on Ryan McDonough's past moves. I had a column go up. So plenty to come, and then obviously like season preview content. We haven't even gotten that far yet. We've just been looking at training camp and looking at media day, and there's a lot to uncover, and I have a feeling that we are going to be writing a couple different pieces about a point guard within the next week. Maybe one day, my friend, we will be able to write about the basketball and not everything around it, but that's just a dream. Jordan Bird, who is the producer of Burns and Gambo, host of Arizona Sports Saturday, whenever we talk, it's kind of, he always says to me, and I always say to him, it's like, it's crazy how I'm on here again talking about stuff, right? The, the Suns, for how, yes, they're a bad they're a bad team right now. Yes, they have some infrastructure problems, to say the least, but they're always interesting to talk about, and there are worse teams to talk about than this one, for sure. It. I can't imagine looking at the past two years of what's happened and just making a list and like ranking it because it's kind of like when you look at the off season, the NBA storylines and like, oh yeah, Fultz forgetting how to shoot was like the 14th weirdest thing that happened during the season. That's kind of how it is with the Suns. We'll just leave it at interesting. They'll keep being you, Suns. Keep, keep, keeping up. Yep.